0: Great to be back here at the Creek in London. Those of you that are joining us online, welcome. Go ahead and pour me an espresso. I'll sit down with you. We'll have some coffee and conversation. Uh, All the other sites, welcome. So glad that your campus is joining us. But for today, I want you to know that I've been looking forward to this because your church has been so proactive with making Jesus known in Kentucky. Uh, There's a video that your pastor released on social media about Give Us Kentucky, Pastor Trevor, I think I've watched that like 50 times. Uh, Not only the vision, but the meaning behind it as a church to be proactive in your calling just ignites in me an understanding and awareness of why we exist. And we exist for others. We exist to make a difference in the world around us because right now, I don't know about you, if you're feeling it, maybe you're seeing it, that more than ever people are searching for peace, they're searching for hope, and they're really confused on what love looks like. And, and more than ever, the world is really in a state of concern and chaos. And so how can we be a part of the fastest way to change the world? And I intentionally chose this title, The Fastest Way. That's, that's a superlative to grab your attention. It's almost like we could have talked about the fastest way to drive to Lexington on Internet, Interstate 75, you know, the fastest way. But the fastest way to change the world, because people are searching for peace They're searching for hope and they're searching for love. And so I don't know about you, but maybe you're waiting for the world to change. Let's look at this question. Are you waiting for the world to change? Now, I could invite Zach and the band back up and we could tweak this question and change the word for to on. (laughs) Are you waiting on the world to change? Then we'll all have a song stuck in our head, right? Are you waiting for the world to change? And waiting for the world to change is a very passive approach. It's very much, you know, sit back, relax, enjoy your surroundings and your comfort. Meet your needs, but don't worry about them. But see, when I watched that video from your pastor about Give Us Kentucky, that is not a passive approach. That is a very proactive approach. And so if we're waiting for the world to change, then we're waiting for someone out there to do something about it. But what's beautiful about the Creek Church is you are proactive And you're taking a stance of stepping into society and culture and to say, we want to see the difference we hope for all of you, to find peace, to find hope, and to find love. And friends, I'm here this morning to share this message on my heart because I believe it's not only urgent, but it's timely in the way that we get to leave from here today and go live our lives to be a part of the fastest way to change the world. And I believe today God is inviting us to be a part of this great mission of changing the world. Because the fastest way to change the world is to introduce others to Jesus. It is the fastest way to change the world because Jesus is the source of peace, love, and joy. And the world is searching for it. They're confused about it. And they're in need of it. I'm in need of it in my own life. I was talking to some dear friends this morning about one of our dogs that's not doing well. I know, you're thinking that ain't that spiritual. When you got two German short point pointers, that's spiritual, okay? Because they're brother, sister, you know? One's not doing well. Thinking about Duke this morning, okay? All you dog lovers out there can get an amen. Yeah. All you cat lovers out there, we'll be praying for you. Okay, so. <laughs> the fastest way to change the world. God is inviting us into this story of seeing change happen in people's lives. And as I look through scripture, I see how Jesus really embarked his disciples and those around him on this great mission to be a part of change. And I've stumbled across these three ways that you and I can become a part of the fastest way to change the world. And so I want to first reflect on this question Does your life intrigue others? I don't know about you, but I do not want to live a boring life, okay? And when your life is intriguing, it causes people to pay attention. And one of the beliefs of your church here at the Creek is that generosity changes lives. But why do you believe that so much? It's because you see what generosity does. When you see someone step out of poverty because you brought them food during a season of COVID, when most people were retracted and private and removed from society, your church family stepped in and you were bringing food to families below the poverty line. When floods were rampant in your community, the church didn't say, well, we really don't care. We're not gonna get involved. You you showed up with resources and funding to respond to people that were impacted Through the floods. And then just recently, your church family didn't just say, hey, we care about you over there. You showed up and you fed first responders and you brought meals to the hospitals and you said, we don't only care about you, we're going to show you how much we care about you. And it goes even further. What's been amazing about your church family in this season, you all went debt free. Did you know that? During a season of being maybe. About yourself, you actually went debt-free so you can be more generous. Building a whole new campus over in Somerset. I mean, come on now. Isn't that exciting? That's something to be thrilled about. From, from blood drives. I mean, literally the stats I got from your church office. Literally over 100 lives saved through the amount of blood you all donated. I, I can't give blood. Those needles, sometimes those things kind of scare me. Allison will coach me on that later. But here's the point. You're proactive as a church in role modeling generosity. And even from a leadership perspective, one of the things I love about your pastor, Trevor, is he invests in the future leaders by opening up this church for internships. Some of you may think, well, what's the big deal about that? Because there are young leaders on the rise that someone needs to look them in the eyes and say, I believe in you, and you can make an influence in the world today by being a part of the fastest way to change the world. So you intern young leaders to come in and serve your church family and through your church family to then be sent out and become a part of churches all across America. And your generosity here also took it a step further because there were some women who had been abused and hurt in circumstances that they did not choose. And your church family stepped in and said, hey, here's some funding to help you buy groceries and, and, and meet the rent needs and... You see, what that does is that causes intrigue. Because the way that you love and show generosity, see, it causes the world around us to to be curious. Who are those people over there at the creek? Why are they so loving? Why are they so generous? Uh, Let me tell you why. Because they're a part of the fastest way to change the world. And that is to introduce others to Jesus. So the way that you love, the bravery of your love it makes me curious, because you don't have to be brave. You can be passive and selfish and thinking about your own needs. Instead, no, you give more and you reach more, and your generosity changes lives. You're brave with your love, but then you're bold with your generosity. I mean, you could say Haiti, who cares about Haiti? But you know Haiti's too close to ignore. And you know there's darkness there, and you know that the fastest way to change the world is to introduce others to Jesus. So so you're bold with your love, but you're brave with your generosity. And that causes others to be curious. And your life begins to intrigue. See, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let's look at this. Would you join me in reading this scripture aloud together? Let's read this together. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, let me talk to some of the crowd here today, and if you're watching online, maybe you grew up in church, and you sang this song back in the day called This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. Okay, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. I'm a recovering preacher's kid. And we would sing that song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine. and Then there was a part, hide it under a bushel. No. no. See, I'm going to let my light shine. Why? Not because I want attention. Not because I want the photo op standing next to the person. No, it's because I want them to see the good deeds and be intrigued by that and go, why do you love me so boldly? And why are you so generous so bravely? because I wanna introduce them to Jesus. I want to introduce them to Jesus because Jesus is the fastest way to change the world. And your church's generosity causes the world around us and the communities in which you live to be intrigued. How about you, do you want your light to shine? Do you want your life to be intriguing to others? That there's curiosity to why you believe what you believe and why you do what you do? Friends, that's when we become a part of the fastest way to change the world. The second way, as I open up Scripture and reflect on the life of Christ, I see another way that we're invited to be a part of the fastest way to change the world. And this question I want us to reflect on is, does your life invite others? And this is an interesting question, and it's a hard question for some of us because some of us are not really that extroverted. You know, we don't really want to go out into the crowds and hang out with them. And when, you know, when COVID happened and we got to stay home and kind of hide a little bit, it was kind of nice. you we were like, awesome, you know, I'll video chat you the rest of my life, you know, stay away, bro. <laughs> you know, so to invite others is kind of an awkward moment. It's like, I don't know if I really want to invite anybody to anything. I kind of like living my life alone. And then there are some others, you know, you're the life of the party. And, You know, you'll invite strangers over for dinner, and your your spouse is going, what are you doing? We don't have enough food to feed them. And you're just like, that's okay. You love to invite. But this question's important to me because when I reflect on the fastest way to change the world, the question really is presented to us is, how will they ever know about Jesus unless we invite them? And see, for some of us today that may not be that extrovert or that maybe outspoken person i promise you this your life already invites the way that you live your life is already speaking to the world i like to say it this way you know in the workplace that christians should be the best employees on the planet and the best employers on the planet because we don't serve earthly masters, but we do what we do for the glory of God. And so when you're in the workplace and there's an ethical issue that shows up, and you know, there's no such thing as business ethics. Did you know that? Only ethics. (laughs) They see the way that you live your life and that invites them. They see the integrity of who you are. They see the decisions that you make. They see your work ethic and your life speaks to them. It's inviting them. So does our life invite others by the way that we live each day? In 2019, my grandfather passed away at the age of 101. And I was there at his funeral, and my my mother was walking down the aisle with my grandmother. And my grandmother comes up to the casket, and I walk up to my grandma, and she's crying, and she looks at me, and she says, Timmy, Pastor Trevor, she still calls me Timmy. Timmy, I want to bring him home with me. And that next week, I was back at Grandma's house, and and I sat with my grandmother on her couch, and I knew I needed to ask her some hard questions about life because I didn't know how much long we even had with her. And it was one of those sentimental moments, so I pulled out my phone and I I turned on that voice memo app, you know, so you could record it. And I I wanted to ask her an important question. And so I'm sitting next to Grandma. I press record. uh, Grandma, when was it? that you made a decision to make Jesus Lord of your life. And my grandmother began to tell me a story of when she was 14 years old, and her mother, they had a family of nine. They were looking for an apartment to rent on the east end of Boston, Massachusetts. And they went to this apartment complex, and they were taking a tour, trying to find a place to live. And during the tour, the landlady had learned that my grandmother at 14 years old wasn't feeling well. She was sick. And the landlady began to tell my grandmother's mom how she was a Christian. And then my grandmother's mom turned to the landlady and said, Well, if your God is for real, invite my daughter Anna to church. And so my grandmother at the age of 14 was invited to church for the first time. And she told me the story that day, sitting on her couch of how she went to church for the first time. And she said, Timmy, I walked down front and I prayed to make Jesus Lord of my life. And when I stood up, I experienced a peace I never had experienced before. Why friends? Because the fastest way to change the world is to introduce others to Jesus but see does your life invite others because that landlady she was brave with her love and she invited my grandmother to come to church in June of 2020 unfortunately grandma passed away I couldn't travel to Massachusetts to be there for her funeral and my my mother had texted me after she says we're gonna go to grandma's house is there anything that you want from grandma's house And I texted my mom back. I said, no. She already gave me everything I could ever hope for. Because, see, my grandmother became the evangelist to her home. When she met Jesus, when she got back home, she told her mom and her dad. And her mom prayed to make Jesus Lord of her life. And then a year later, her dad did. And then my mom was raised in that family. And what happened? Then my family went off to Haiti. Why? Because... We knew that Jesus was the fastest way to change the world. And so the greatest gift my grandmother already gave me was that she introduced us to Jesus. Her life invited us into this story. So friends, don't underestimate the impact of an invite. It could be be a coworker or a neighbor or a family member that you say, hey, I want to invite you to the creek with me. Who but knows the trajectory that you will change and reshape in the history of a family or a nation or a community because you invited someone to know Jesus. I want to introduce you to the master inviter. And this is where this question really has impacted me about invitations and inviting others. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, this is a short verse, but man, does it speak to me. I I could just sit here all day and ponder this. Come, Jesus said, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus was the master inviter. Can, Can you just imagine the moment you're in the village or you're on the hillside, and Jesus says, come. Follow me. And then what? See, after we are introduced to Jesus, it doesn't stop there. We're sent out to fish for people. This is not about us. That's what I love about your church's vision. Give us Kentucky. It's not about us. When when God resources us, he does it for us to be brave with our love and bold with our generosity because we want our lives to intrigue others. And then, as we intrigue them, then we get to invite them. Come, follow Jesus. He is the way, He is the truth, and He gives life. So don't underestimate the impact of a single invite. The third way that we can be a part of the fastest way to change the world is to involve others. Let's reflect on this question Does your life involve others? Does your life involve others? So some of you may know this. In my neighborhood, I've been trying to be intentional with being the good neighbor. I'm actually an advocate for National Good Neighbor Day, which actually happens on the 28th of September. I actually gave a TEDx talk titled, Are You a Good Neighbor? I believe in good neighboring. But recently, I got a phone call from a neighbor. And he told me, he said, Tim, Vicky, and I are going to relocate to Tennessee, and we listed our home for sale, and... They came into the survey. Unfortunately, we found out that the fence is 14 feet into the neighbor's yard, okay? And I've been, I was staying at a friend's house here last night, Todd and Lori Hopper, and you know, they got a fence in their yard. Can you imagine you're selling your house and you got a fence in your neighbor's yard and you can't sell the house now until so you move the fence, right? You guys have some nice fences in Kentucky, by the way. I love it. So he's like, Tim, could you come over and help us move the fence? We, we can't close on the house sale until we fix the boundary line with the fence, So like a good neighbor, I invited some other neighbors to go over and help him. (laughs) No, I invited some other neighbors to join me. And together, literally six guys, we show up at Kevin's house early on a Saturday morning. And we start taking up the fence posts and pulling the boards off. It's, again, one of those four-board fences like you all have here. And we're picking it up and we're moving it and, and we're repositioning it, you know, over the boundary line. And, you know, we get done and we see that it, it was definitely crooked. We didn't do a good job. It wasn't intentionally supposed to be crooked, but it ended up that way. But we invited these guys to come and help with this project. And together, we helped Kevin and Vicki fix that situation because our lives involved one another and I have to tell you this, I could say this a thousand times over, that life is better and stronger together. You're not intended to do life alone. Right now, in this season of life that we live, isolation has become rampant, and and removal from relationship has become more the norm, versus now we have to really ask the question, does our lives involve others? Recently, I interviewed your pastor for the New Missions podcast, and uh, it just released this month, and we were talking about a secret skill and, and that your pastor has. You all know he, he can cook some serious great food in the kitchen. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah, I'm telling you, right? And we talked about how the table became the place that Jesus would gather for conversation to build common bond and relationship with others. I mean, who do you know in your neighborhood or in the workplace that you can invite to a table to share a meal together? See, the Latin word, communitas, it means the spirit of community, and it's actually measured by the number of meals that we share together. There's power in that time of togetherness and that we involve one another. See, life is better and stronger together, so, so don't live in isolation when it's unnecessary. Involve others in your life. See, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gave this great commission to his disciples after the resurrection. The 11 disciples were there, and this was really Jesus' last speech. This was it. This was the last moment. He, he gave this commission. And, this scripture may be familiar to you, but it's sentimental to me in the work that I do with new missions because you hear this a lot in mission work, you know, and it says, therefore, go and make disciples. Okay, we can pause right there. Go is very proactive, right? That's not passive at all. That is definitely brave with your love and bold with your generosity. It's go and make disciples. Disciples, we talk about that here at the Creek. You mentioned it a lot even in your mission statement is that we're, we're making disciples of Christ that people would follow Jesus. And discipleship is really about being taught. We become a learner of. And so we become a disciple of Christ. We want to learn the ways of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. But how Jesus modeled discipleship for us in scripture was a journey and a path that he lived side by side with others. I like to say it this way. Discipleship is life together. Discipleship is life together. I I have two young mentoring groups that I host for young guys in their 30s and 20s because I'm going to turn 49 this month. Praise Jesus. One more year. One more year under 50. But here's the point. We will not grow together unless we're together. It's impossible. It's impossible for us to have any growth in relationship with these young guys in this mentoring group unless we're together. Discipleship takes time side by side. Discipleship, disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. In this part, I want you to grab this today because we have been living in uncertain times in America. It's, it's probably one of the most historical, psychological, challenging, emotionally pressuring seasons of our lives. And Jesus ends this great commission to his disciples whom he loved greatly. And he says, and surely I am with you only on the good days. I'm only with you when the sun's shining and things are going well for you. No, he said, Say it with me. I am with you always. always. One more time. I am with you always. always. I-, I know the season you've been going through, it's not been easy. I-, I know that there's been moments of question about job and life and home and family and health and wellness, but Jesus is with us always. Why? Because is the fastest way to change the world. And as we introduce others through the way that we intrigue and the way that we invite and the way that we involve, we fulfill this commission. We make disciples. We go. We're brave with our love. We're bold with our generosity. And we become a part of the fastest way to change the world. See, this is how important this is to me. I am convicted that we exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. By the way that we live, by the way that we show them what we believe, not by what we say, but by what we do, because actions do speak louder than words. I mean, I like to say it this way, your neighbors don't care how much Bible you know. They care how much you love them so. So on the last Tuesday of every month, I have guys night out in my neighborhood. And this last Tuesday, we went out for wings, 10 guys showed up, you know, And and, I mean, all different walks of faith and life and journey and season, but we're together, sharing life together. Friends, we exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Why? Because the fastest way, the fastest way to change the world is to introduce others to Jesus. And I want to be a part of that. I want to say yes to that calling to come alongside Jesus in reaching the world and making an impact where I live So my question for us today is, will your life intrigue others? Will it invite others? Will it involve others? But I want to turn to this scripture to really explain to you the benefit of this in people's lives. And let's turn to that scripture in Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is the game-changing moment for us. This is why we are a part of the fastest way to change the world. It says, therefore, if anyone, everyone repeat after me, anyone? Anyone. One more time, anyone? Anyone? this is non-discriminatory, okay? Can I just say that for the record? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, And, and the old is gone, and the new is here. So when we went to Haiti, where there was only voodoo, and darkness, and poverty, Christ came and changed lives. Now there's churches, and educated people that have jobs, and Small businesses and our engineers and attorneys and doctors. Because the old is gone and the new is here. This is what happens when we introduce others to Jesus. So are you going to intrigue? Are you going to invite and are you going to involve others? I want to leave you today with a a picture of how interesting this is in culture right now. This whole idea of intriguing, this whole idea of inviting, this whole idea of involving. There are these three brands that you're familiar with, and they embody this greatly. Uh, The first is Nike. Y'all heard of Nike. Come on now, right? See, Nike, internally, they have a title, Nike Ambassadors. And so ambassadors go out to collegiate teams and professional sports teams, and they ambassador on behalf of the brand. It intrigues people. Over at Apple, y'all have heard of Apple, Apple actually had an individual titled Chief Evangelist to invite others to be a part of this Apple ecosystem that they built. And then over at Amazon, internally, they have team members that they title missionaries so they can involve themselves in a role that is super focused. And I believe the life of a missionary involves others. We step into situations that people need us. And I believe sometimes God calls us to solve harder problems. So will your life intrigue? And will your life invite? And will your life involve? If the, if the biggest brands on the planet can spend billions of dollars to intrigue and to invite and to involve others, what about us? as followers of Christ, will we be a part of the fastest way to change the world? As I was traveling here, I was reflecting on this scripture that I've been praying in Psalm 34, verse eight. And it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because maybe for some of us, we've had the question, God, are you still good? It's been a tough season. But that Psalm finishes by saying this, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Friends, that's what I pray for our lives today, that you would taste and see the Lord is good, and that you would be blessed as you take refuge in him. And then we would go from here, and we would make this mission about everyone else we know, that we would intrigue them, that we would invite them, that we would involve them, because we know that Jesus is the fastest way to change the world. So right now, I want to invite all of us to stand. If you're watching online, you can pause where you are or on your campus, if you could stand. And I want to pray for us to go from here today really sent out as those ambassadors and those evangelists and those missionaries as our life intrigues others, as our life invites others and our life involves. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for my dear friends here at the Creek today. It's not by accident that we have gathered. But we know we have not gathered just for ourselves, but we have gathered today that we may say yes to your master invite to be a part of the fastest way to change the world. So as we walk through these doors and we head back to our neighborhoods, to our workplaces, God, may our lives intrigue by the bravery of our love and the boldness of our generosity. God, may our lives invite. And God, may we not do life alone, but may we involve others so that we can be your ambassadors, your evangelists, your missionaries, and see others find you to find peace, to find hope, to find life. Because Jesus, you alone are the fastest way to change the world. In Jesus' name, amen.